0: Hello, everybody. This is Dan Trotter, Pretty Good Bible Studies. I am intending to do in this audio Acts chapter 24, verses 22 through 27. And so this will be a relatively short audio. Our context is this Paul has been delivered by the Roman commander in Jerusalem, Claudius Lysias, from the machinations and the riots and the perturbations of the Jews who were trying to do Paul in. Paul was rescued because Claudius Lysias was informed by Paul's nephew that there was a plot of 40 assassins who were going to lay in wait for him as Paul was supposed to go to the Sanhedrin to defend himself again, and they were going to get him, but Lysias put him on the military guard and sent him out back to Caesarea. And so Paul, in our last audio, first 21 verses, gave his defense before Felix and before Tertullus, the Roman lawyer hired by the Sanhedrin, and Ananias the high priest came down with a party of sanhedrin people and paul gave his accurate defense he said basically you don't have the facts you don't have firsthand witnesses my conscience is clear you have been here years felix and there have been no riots by me or any other christians so what is this all about plus it's a religious and paul said this is a religious matter too I'm standing up for the resurrection of the dead, thus inciting division between the Pharisees and the Sadducees who probably came in that delegation from the Sanhedrin to Caesarea. So Paul did an excellent defense. And so here we take up the story in verse 22 of Acts 24. We'll read 22 and 23. Since Felix was accurately informed about the way, he adjourned the hearing, saying, When Lysias the commander comes down, I will decide your case. Well, Felix was accurately informed because he had been He had governed Judea and Samaria for six years, according to the NIV Study Bible. Gill says it might have been longer than that, 10 or 13 years. I don't know. It doesn't matter. He's been there a long time. And during all that time, he never heard of any Christian riots. He knew there's no way he could not have known the place of Christians in that society that he was governing, their activities. He knew they didn't start riots, just like in America. Who starts riots? Do Christians go out and threaten gay bars and threaten to beat the mud out of homosexuals or do they threaten to shut their businesses down or is it the other way around now because Felix was accurately informed about the way and and he might have been more accurately informed about the way listening to Paul's defense as Paul gave his defense in the first 21 verses of this chapter so now Felix knows what's going on he knows about Christians and he's not going to condemn Paul because of that he knows that Paul is not guilty, so he doesn't condemn him. He adjourns the hearing and says, "When Lysias, the commander, comes down, I will decide your case." Now, Lysias never came down, as far as recorded, according to Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown. Nor did any other parties ever appear to pass the burden of proof. And Paul, that's Paul, had done that expertly in his defense. He had passed the burden of proof to the to the prosecution, if you will, to the Sanhedrin, and says, "You can't prove your case. You can't. You ain't got any evidence. You don't have any first-hand testimony." And it never came. Lysias never even came. And he, and he wouldn't have testified for the Sanhedrin anyway. And the Asian Jews who had followed Paul from Ephesus, probably, from Ephesus to Jerusalem and started the whole riot, they didn't come. So Felix knows that Paul is innocent, but he doesn't let him out. He keep, puts him on the house arrest. And so he leaves things in a stalemate. Why did he do that? My speculation, he did it because he wanted to bribe from Paul. He also didn't want to let Paul out because that would make the Jews angry. And and Felix had some doings, as we see, some tensions with the Jews. In fact, he eventually got booted out of his office because he couldn't maintain order amongst the Jews, and, and the Jews didn't like him. He was a cruel ruler. So that's probably why Felix kept Paul under guard. He didn't want to condemn him because he wanted to bribe and because he didn't want to condemn a Roman citizen without facts, but on the other hand, he didn't want to let him go either, because that would make the Jews mad, and he didn't want to make the Jews mad. Now it says in verse 23, he ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, though he could have some freedom, which means he was probably under house arrest, he probably didn't have chains from one arm to a soldier and, and on his left arm, and from his right arm to a soldier on his right arm. He probably walked around freely with the centurion, centurion just kind of watching him, and Felix also did not prevent any of his friends from serving him. In other words, Luke, for example, anybody that was with Paul could bring him food, bring him writing instruments, carry letters out, and so forth. So it wasn't a bad confinement, fortunately, for Paul. But it must have been tough, though, for two years, as we'll see later. Two years he's stuck there in the house arrest, and he wants to go to Rome. Adam Clark has an alternate translation of this phrase, since Felix was accurately informed about the way He says, it could be translated, when I shall have acquired a more accurate knowledge of the sect, and when Lysias comes down, I will decide your case. I don't think so. We'll go with sense, because basically Felix knew what was going on. He didn't need any more testimony. He didn't didn't even need any more witnesses. We go now to Acts 24, verse 24. After some days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and listened to him on the subject of faith in Jesus Christ faith in Christ Jesus. Now, this is after some days. This is after the hearing. The hearing's already been adjourned, and this is Felix coming on his own, not in a judicial proceeding, but just to talk to Paul. Now, he came with his wife, Drusilla. Now, Drusilla's kind of an interesting person. She's Felix's third wife, according to the NIV Study Bible. She was the third daughter of Herod Agrippa I, according to the NIV Study Bible and Jameson Fawcett and Brown. Herod Agrippa I was the guy who had killed James the son of Zebedee, John, the Apostle John's brother, and who had cruelly attacked some who belonged to the church. That's in Acts 12, 1 through 2. He was the guy that, whose the sunlight bounced off his silver garments when he was in the amphitheater at Caesarea, and the people proclaimed him a god, and he didn't refuse that claim. And because of his arrogance, he died with worms eating him up from the inside. That was Herod Agrippa I. That's Drusilla's father. Now, Drusilla's brother was Herod Agrippa II. He was a good man, a good ruler. But at any rate, Drusilla may have had some good information about the way, about the Christians from her father who had persecuted the Christians. That might be why Felix brought his wife Drusilla along with him to talk to Paul. Or it could be he brought, Felix brought Drusilla along because Drusilla was Jewish and she might know some stuff about the Messiah. And Paul was Jewish and he's talking about the Messiah, so maybe she would have something to contribute now, the question is, was he interested in getting saved? There's no indication that he ever did, nor did it, Drusilla ever get saved. Why was he listening? Was it just idle curiosity, or was he waiting for a bribe? Anyway, going on with Drusilla. At the age of 15, Drusilla married a king of Emesa, which is a, a small principality, let's put it this way, in, in Syria, where modern Homs is in Syria. Emesa, and she married this king, Azizus. And she deserted him for Felix a year later. Felix used a magician to entice her away from her husband. Abracadabra, hocus pocus, let Drusilla leave her her husband. So he married her. That will come up later when Paul is talking to Felix about certain things. Another interesting thing about Drusilla is that she and her son, her son was also named Agrippa, she and her son were killed by the eruption, the famous eruption of the Vesuvius, Vesuvius volcano in 79 AD. Going back to why Felix and Drusilla even came to talk to Paul, I mentioned he's looking for a bribe, he's, he's, he's bored, he wants to, to listen to some interesting talk, he's curious. It could be that Jameson, Foster, and Brown say that Felix was happy to have the founder of such a prominent sect as the Nazarenes present. Of course, Paul was not really the founder; Jesus was, but he's he's a let's say a prominent person, so maybe he felt good about that. But at any rate, whatever his motives was, whatever his motives were, Paul presented the gospel to him. We go to verse 25 of Acts 24. Now, as he that's Paul spoke, speaking to Felix and Drusilla, as Paul spoke about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. Felix became afraid and replied, leave for now, but when I find a time, I'll call for you. Now, what did he become afraid of? Well, here's some options. Adam Clark has come up with sort of a very speculative option. I don't believe it, but he says he thinks that Felix was afraid that Drusilla, because she was Jewish, might be influenced by Paul and wanted to get her out of there before she became a Christian. Well, Clark mentions that as a possibility, but he hedges that by saying, well, Drusilla had already acted contrary to Jewish law in marrying Felix. Felix was a pagan, a pagan Roman. She was Jewish. And the Jews weren't supposed to marry pagans, Gentiles, Gentile dogs. She turned, in fact, she is said to have turned heathen for the sake of Felix. That's why she left the Jewish faith, is so that she could marry Felix after Felix hired a magician to get her away from her lawfully wedded king husband of Amisa. So if Drusilla had already taken such taken such pains to leave the Jewish faith, It seems to me unlikely that she would be seduced back into a sect of the Jews, the Christians. It seems unlikely to me that she would be tempted to become a Christian Jew. But I don't think that's what it was. I think that the reason that Felix was afraid was because he was afraid of the final judgment. Because Paul spoke about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. I was just talking to a young 17-year-old high school student about the gospel a couple weeks ago, and she was listening politely. And all of a sudden, I mentioned the fact that you don't have to spend an eternity apart from God. I didn't mention the word hell, but I kind of got the concept in there. And all of a sudden, her interest perked up. I could see she was listening real close. It's just something about mentioning hell. And you say, well, we don't believe in hell anymore in our culture. Well, there's people got a conscience and people deep down inside. I'm convinced have got a fear of hell and they wouldn't mind escaping it if you gave them a way out. Some of them, not everybody, of course, but it's not a bad thing to mention when you're witnessing. Paul Paul mentioned it. When Paul and Peter and the other apostles witnessed, that's fun to watch their technique as you go through the New Testament. They always mention resurrection, it seems like. And here we have, we're mentioning righteousness and judgment to come. Self-control and judgment to come. Well, Felix said, I come, I'll come for you. He never did come back that we know of. He never got saved. That was just a face-saving statement. To get out of there, because he didn't want to be convicted anymore. Well, why did he not like that term, righteousness? Well, because of Felix's public life, as Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown point out. And we could mention his private life, too, which we will in a minute. Let me give you a quote from Tacitus, Tacitus the famous Roman historian. This is from Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown. Quote, For on the testimony of Tacitus, the Roman analyst, he, Felix, ruled with a mixture of cruelty, lust, and servility. And relying on the influence of his brother Pallas at court, he thought himself at liberty to commit every sort of crime with impunity. I think one of his crimes was he helped conspire to assassinate the Jewish high priest Jonathan, for example. Paul had guts to witness in front of somebody like this. Jameson Fawcett Brown said, said, Paul was apparently saying, you know, you're not living a righteous life, Felix, and there's going to be hell to pay for it. That's basically what he was doing, and Felix didn't like it. It scared him. Now, when Paul mentioned self-control, he was probably mentioned, mentioning Felix's private life because Felix had seduced Drusilla, another man's wife, when he became overcome with lust for her beauty, according to John Gill. I don't know how Gill knows whether she's beautiful or not, but this is what he says. Paul had guts to talk, talk to Felix about that. Hey, man, you stole another man's wife. You're full of lust. You've, you're ruling with cruelty. You're killing people unjustly. And there's going to be hell to pay for all this. That's basically how Paul was witnessing. He wouldn't give him this little old, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Well, he did say he had a wonderful plan for his life. It was called hell, the judgment to come. Somehow that doesn't get mentioned in a little booklet I used to use. But Paul gives him the hard gospel and Felix leaves not to come back. Well, I said he didn't come back. I mean, he didn't come back to talk about self-control, righteousness, and judgment. In the next verse, we'll see he did come back to ask for a bribe shows you what kind of a person he is. Now, Adam Clark's got an interesting idea as he tries to psycholog- psychologically analyze Felix. He says Felix didn't seem too worried about the final judgment. Well, that goes against what I just said. It, it looks to me like Felix was very afraid of final judgment and, and because Paul was giving it to him. Well, this is Clark's reasoning. He said, well, if he was so concerned about the final judgment, why did he not why did he come to Paul later on and ask for a bribe in verse 26? He came quite often and conversed with Paul, hoping that money would be given to him by Paul. Well, this is my answer to that. People can know and be afraid of the final judgment and then go right on sinning. And I've got a great example of that. John Wayne Gacy, one of the worst mass murderers in American history. He sodomized a bunch of uh, boys. Who uh, I say boys, they were teenagers who were working for him construction. He would sodomize them, brutally murder them, and then bury them in his basement. Well, right when he got to about murder number 28 or 29, he'd done a good many of them. He went to see one of his friends, and he told his friend, he said, I'm going to burn in hell for what I've done. The friend said, what'd you do? He says, I've killed people. I'm going to burn in hell for it. But then he went out and murdered another boy. So you could be afraid of hell and then go ahead and continue in your sin fact, Gacy's last words before he was executed were, kiss my ass. Well, no repentance there, but yet even though there was no repentance and there was arrogance in the face of death and final judgment and going to hell, he was worried about it because he told his friend he was scared about it. All right, let's go to verse 26. At the same time, he, that's Felix, was also hoping that money would be given to him by Paul. For this reason, he sent for him quite often and conversed with him. Well, why would Felix be so interested in money? Well, Paul had just brought a poor collection. to Jerusalem and was probably a big collection. And of course, Paul didn't bring it by himself. He had other people bringing it with him for accountability's sake, all those traveling companions. It was eight of them, including Luke. Well, Paul no longer had that money. And even if he had the money, he wouldn't have given it to Felix. But nonetheless, Felix was probably thinking, well, maybe I can, maybe I can get some money out of this guy. Now, if Felix had taken that money and released Paul, there would be a downside to it. The Jews would be mad at him. Remember, the Jews hate Paul's guts. They're probably unhappy they didn't kill him, but they're probably happy at least that he's under house arrest. But then if Felix let him go, oh my goodness, that would not make the Jews happy. And of course, Felix is, is in constant tension with the Jews. In fact, got booted out of his office in AD 60 approximately and had to stand trial in Rome before Nero or before Nero's officials because of how he had treated the Jews, and the Jews would be testifying against him. So, Felix had good reason to keep the Jews happy. That's why he put Paul into house arrest for two years. But he might have been thinking, well, I don't like the downside of this, but, God, that money might be worth it. Might be worth it, putting up with the hostility of the Jews. And besides my brother Pallas in Rome, the chief administrative officer of the Roman Empire, he'll look out for me. He'll look out for me if the Jews get angry at me for releasing Paul. Now, all of these details about the bribery and so forth were probably given by Paul to Luke because Luke had traveled with Paul at the end of the third journey all the way into Jerusalem. And then he had traveled with Paul from Caesarea to Rome. I assume he was also with Paul at Caesarea. So Paul and Luke were very close and Luke could have gotten all these details for the book of Acts, to write it down in the book of Acts. Now, there was another downside to Felix taking that bribe. It was a capital offense for a judge to take a bribe according to Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown. So he's risking his life taking that bribe. He's risking his life for taking a bribe. He's risking his job and possibly his life because he didn't handle the his governing duties well and the Jews were going to come after him if he left Paul out. So he was taking a big chance taking a bribe. But you know, the love of money is the root of all evil. Acts 24, verse 27, as we move on to the next verse. After two years had passed. Two years. Boom. Paul's under house arrest. Felix received a successor... Portius Festus. And because he wished to do a favor for the Jews, he, Felix, wished to do a favor for the Jews, Felix left Paul in prison. Again, remember, he wants to keep the Jews happy as he can. He never got his bribe, but he wanted to keep the Jews happy because they're going to be testifying against him shortly in Rome, and he probably saw it coming, handwriting on the wall. After two years had passed, that's the two years that Paul was on the house arrest, most probably not two years that Felix had been in office because Felix had been there at least six years according to the NIV study Bible but two years after Paul had been put under house arrest Felix loses his job. This is about AD 60. The third jury ended in about 58 and Paul's trials troubles his defense before Claudius Lysias in Jerusalem and before Felix in Caesarea lasted about two years. So that'll put us up right around 60 AD and, this is, and I think secular records also show well according to the NIV study Bible secular records show that Felix was recalled to Rome in the winter of 59 and 60. So Festus is appointed in about in 60 A.D. and he comes into office and he finds Paul in prison and under house arrest. Well, actually in prison now. Felix left Paul in prison, not under house arrest, but he put him in prison. This is according to Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown, who makes the makes the distinction. So Felix has got something on. Festus has got something on his plate now, left to him by Felix. Now Felix and Festus are hard to keep straight because of the similarity of their names. The I said Felix was appointed by Nero sometime before A.D. 54, and Festus was appointed by excuse me Felix was appointed by Claudius sometime before 54 when Claudius was assassinated, and then Festus was appointed in AD 60 by Nero, and I said that's one way you can keep them apart. But the easiest way to keep them apart is Felix is the bad guy and Festus is the good guy because Portius Festus was a good and honest ruler with integrity, Wis- had wisdom and honesty according to the NIV Study Bible. Alright, Felix is gone. He was called to answer for disturbances and irregularities in his rule, such as his handling of riots between Syrians and Jews. That's the NIV Study Bible's note. Festus shows up. He's not mentioned in historical records before his arrival in Jerusalem. He died in office after two years. And during that time, as I said earlier, his time was a, a rule of wisdom and honesty. Now, it must have been tough for Paul to have been locked up for these two years, or under house arrest. He wants to go to Rome, he wants to evangelize, and he's sitting there in Caesarea stuck. Well, some say he used the time to great advantage and actually helped Paul write the, helped Luke write the Gospel of Luke during that period. If so, and I wouldn't doubt that, that would show that Paul put his downtown downtime to good use. And so we finish Acts chapter 24, and in Acts chapter 25, we will examine what happened when Portius Festus examined Paul. We'll take that up in the next audio, which I hope you listen to, and I hope you enjoyed this one.